because the story goes that, oh, there was no place for them in the end. Frankly, this couldn't be most probably what happened, that when they came to the end, there was no place. But the Bible is clearer and saying only when the time came for her to have a child, there was no place for her in the end. So technically what the Bible is trying to say, there was no place for a pregnant woman to have a child in the end. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and this is this is totally different story. I mean, this is understandable. This is the culture. I have a special guest with me today, Kamal Mukarkar. He shares a bit about his background as a resident and guide in Palestine's West Bank. I had the chance to meet him a few years ago when I took a trip to Israel, and wow, what an interesting perspective he brings. I was raised as a Lutheran and am now a practicing Catholic. My visit to Israel was fundamental in my spiritual journey. Rarely in Western society, even as a professional tour guide like myself in Europe, do we interact with such palpable and tangible history. It's locals like Hamal who can help bring a visit to these historical sites to life for us. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. This episode of Andy Steve's Travel Podcast is brought to you by the Bose Micro, my favorite travel-sized Bluetooth speaker. I've enjoyed Bose products for years, and they hooked me up with the latest edition of their travel-sized Bluetooth speakers. If anyone has enjoyed the Mini 2, this new speaker, the Micro, can match that quality of sound but beats it on three different things. First off, it's smaller. It really fits into any nook and cranny in your bag. Number two, its rubberized exterior makes it much more durable. So you can roll it along the floor, it can fall down, you know, you can beat it up a little more and it doesn't show any worse for wear. Number three, it's water resistant, meaning you can take it to the beach, in the shower and on the boat with no stress at all. It makes for a perfect summer traveling mini Bluetooth speaker. You can check out information about this Bose product and more at andysteves.com and of course, purchase them at bose.com, B-O-S-E.com. Check out this Bose Micro and take it with you on your next adventure around the world. Happy travels, guys. Check out the Bose Micro speaker. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. All right, listeners, I have a very special friend and guest on the show with us today. His name is Kamal Mukarkar. He's calling in from Bethlehem. That's right. That's the West Bank, which is uh, just across the border from Israel. Uh, Kamal is a tour guide. He runs a tour company. You're definitely going to check that out. And he is a fixer and a good friend of my dad as well. So my dad recently did a special on the Holy Land, which I would highly recommend. And Kamal did a lot to really put a human face on the Palestinian community. And that's why I'm so excited to have Kamal on the on the discussion with us today. Um, Kamal, thanks so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a great. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be speaking about my city and the area here. It's, uh, it's a wonderful place and, and has to be exposed by, by the Americans. So I'm happy that you, you have me for your uh, broadcast. You're absolutely right. So I'm so excited to share with our listeners a little bit about your background, your culture. Um, I was fortunate enough to visit you, I think, three years ago now. Um, And it was just such a special experience to tour with you around the city of Bethlehem. So many Americans think of Bethlehem as a little village, you know, in biblical times. But today it's a modern city. Um, You have all sorts of 
of complex cultures and religions living together and coexisting. So I'm so excited to hear a little bit about that in in today's show. Um, let's start with you. You have a beautiful little family. Tell us about yourself and uh, and where you grew up and and your day to day now. Right. To, to, to make a long story short, I am. Uh, my name is Kamal Mukarkar, and Kamal is an Arabic name. But still, I'm a Christian. By the way, every Arabic name must have a meaning. And uh, my name has the meaning of perfect, actually. Uh, you know, you, you, you never choose your name. I always say I try to be. It was given and, to you. Yeah, it was given to You just can't help me. it. <laughs> so I have to work really hard to keep it. You know? uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, I, I belong to the Greek Orthodox uh, community. Uh, the Christians in the Holy Land, latest numbers are just like uh, under 1%. So mm-hmm. we're like 47,000 uh, Christians living in a, in a country that has 4.8 uh, millions. Let's uh, get into that just a little bit. So there's there's 1% Christians living in Palestine or Palestine and Israel. How's that, how's that breakdown? It's in Palestine. We're speaking about the West Bank and Gaza. It's 1%. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. In Israel, oh. there, is, there is at least 117,000 uh, Christians. But in Palestine, it's only 40, 47 uh, left. Oh you know, we were once like 10, 15% of the population, but most of us technically uh, left, you know, during uh, the war situation and even during Ottoman uh, Empire at that time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been a history of, of uh, you know, fleeing the Holy Land. So but while, some are still here. So while it's the home of Christianity, the, the center of Christianity, it really uh, doesn't have that many Christians living in Bethlehem at the moment. Uh, yes, you're, you're totally right and wrong at the same time. Because this 1% Christians left, they technically live together. So my city has 80% Christians and 20% Muslims, which is just in the smaller city beside Bethlehem. And there is a couple of other cities where the Christians are concentrated. So technically in the area of Bethlehem, you kind of feel that the Christians are the majority and not the minority. I see. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. City versus country. Yeah, exactly. I gotcha. And have you spent so, your whole life there? Did you grow up there? I, I was born in uh, Jerusalem. But then I was raised in Bethlehem, and I uh, I was uh, lucky to to, to have uh, a wonderful family. My mom and dad are. My dad studied in Sweden when he was young. My mom was raised in Germany. She's not German. She's Palestinian Christian, but she was raised there with her family, and then she came back, met my dad, and got married, and so on. So open-minded family, and they wanted us to see the world. So I was uh, traveling since I was young. And uh, I, I went to a Lutheran school, learned a little bit German, then my bachelor in Bethlehem University in, uh, in accounting and marketing. But then I went to Germany to do my master's degree. So I'm a, I have an MBA in international project management. And I really loved uh, studying. So I went to the States and I did the CPA. I'm a certified public accountant. So any tourist comes here, I could also do his uh, tax <laughs> papers at the same time. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I'm curious, where do you study in the States? The States, uh, you know, the, the CPA exam, it's, it's a government exam that you just need to take it in the states so i didn't go to university in the states but i had to take it there oh my goodness well so you really do have quite an international background international experience (laughs) so i came back to the land and i was while i was working i thought uh, i'll take this guiding course i always loved my bible you know as a christian and i always loved the history of the land and for me was this idea of how, how does the history link with the bible and does it always fit because sometimes you hear archaeology saying different things so i really wanted to learn more and uh, 
You know, learning to be a tour guide in the Holy Land it is not an easy thing. This land imagine. is filled. I mean, this is this is a history of thousands of years. They start with the Stone Age and pre to that even. And there is always history has been happening in the, in the Holy Land. So really, it's a tough two years course, you know, and I, I passed everything just due to the passion that I have. It was easy for me because I love the country and I love the history and I love the Bible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to get into next was like what really struck me about walking around cities like Jerusalem and Bethlehem is just that the history is palpable in these places. You're walking under arches that may date back like thousands of years and past buildings and through the really the heart of three major world religions. And so it's so special. It's an incredible experience yes. to, to true, do that. True, true. I mean, again, it's, it's uh, as I was just saying, it's not just uh, since the religion started is even before that we have things you know in prehistory you know and uh, mm-hmm. so amazing it's like you go to the city of jericho you go there and you think i want to go to visit the oldest city in the world but then they tell you it's like 25 cities one built on top of the other right and it, the last one was built there was 1500 bc <laughs> yeah. this is the last one of the 25 cities that were built there so yeah. it's crazy you it's know, really but, the, the uh, cradle of humanity in the, in, yeah. in many ways it's incredible <laughs> cool. and so i want to talk about kind of of course your day-to-day just living in, in your daily life with your family about, about my family just before we jump on a different topic i, yeah. I have to speak about my current family because Please. i uh, when your dad me and your dad when i helped your dad let's say that way with the with doing the beautiful documentary that that came out about the land, I was still engaged, and it's. I think it's even in the documentary that he says Kamal is engaged, and this is his fiance, and so on. And uh, so I did get married, and I have children now. I have two. Uh, Noor is my daughter, and Nicholas, who just came uh, seven months ago, is oh my, my son. So I do have now two children. Beautiful. I should send your dad some pictures, actually. Yes, please do. And what we'll do yeah. is um, uh, share some photos with me, and we'll post it on the episode page on our website, sure, so people can sure, check out sure. um, it, you and your family as well. Yeah. So oh, li- life had been had been uh, wonderful. It's true. We have uh, sometimes you hear about uh, problems here and there, you know. But uh, uh, lately, like even when problems happen, it's like uh, in special uh, corners, you know, and it goes for one day, two days, and then that's it. And, and it's really peaceful. I'm so happy, you know, to tell you that the most uh, tourists we have in the land uh, this year and last year were the Americans. So Americans are coming to Israel. And many of the ones who go to Israel, they they also come and visit us here in Bethlehem and, and, and also visit the other Palestinian cities. Now, not all of them, and this is what we're uh, really trying, so that everybody who comes to the Holy Land needs to see all parts of the Holy Land. Because uh, the West Bank, or, you know, Palestine, Bethlehem, Hebron, Nablus, is also where so many biblical stories have happened, and these are all Palestinian cities. And it's really nice for tourists to come and see these places, because it really doesn't make any sense you go to Israel thinking, I'm visiting the Holy Land, and then you're skipping half of the, the biblical stories stories that happened here and not seeing them so you that's technically exactly not right see, just because yeah, it's uh, on the other side of the border into exactly. palestine yes i see i see so um what we're going to do is after the break we're going to get right into some of those recommended itineraries so i'm excited to uh, to have you on the show kamal thanks so much for joining me and we'll be right back this episode of andy steve's travel podcast is brought to you by milltown house guest house on the dingle peninsula 
We have 10 luxury bedrooms in one of Ireland's most popular villages. We have 56 pubs and some of the best seafood in the country. As we say in the local Irish language, Ced Mila Falcha, 100,000 welcomes await. Visit us at www.milltownhouse.com. You're listening to season two of Andy Steve's Travel travel, entrepreneurship, and lifestyle. All right, Kamal, on a visit to Israel and the Holy Land uh, and Palestine, of course, would you break it down for us like on a standard or ideal visit? Maybe those are two different things, but um, how much time does somebody usually spend on a visit in total uh, when they come and with the tourists that you uh, meet on the way? Um, are they usually spending about a week in the region or is it longer? Is it less? See, see it depends what kind of tourists you're talking about. And it depends where they're coming from. I have to say when Europeans come here, they spend a week because Europe is, is near. They, sometimes they even spend just five days mm-hmm. because they think, oh, next year I will go there or in six months I will go back. You know, it's just three and a half hours flight. You know, it's not like you're crossing continents to, to, to be here. And there is those also cheap flights. So, so flying from Germany to Israel or from Italy or from other countries in, in, in Europe is, is really cheap if you, if you really you know, dig deep and try to connect you know, with these uh, cheap flights. It, but if you're true. coming as an, as an American, then most Americans, when they come here, they like to spend like nine days. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually it's like two weekends. You know, they come, let's say, on a, on a Friday and they, they have the first week and then the whole week and the second week and, and leave, let's say, on Monday you mm-hmm. know, or Sunday night or something and like that. Just before we move on, what you said is very true about the uh, the flights from Europe. I was spending a lot of time in Prague over the last few years and Wizz Air, a Hungarian budget airline, flies straight to Tel Aviv. And I spent a week there, um, a couple days in Jerusalem, a couple mm-hmm. days visiting Bethlehem and then went back out to Tel Aviv um, for, for kind of the more modern side. I felt yes. that the show that my dad put together was very historical. It was very sensitive to the various cultures and religions that that coexist there. Um, but it also gives you a great idea for an itinerary that many people would want to take uh, when they True. visit themselves. True. I mean, uh, to, to be frank with you, I toured with, uh, with groups that spent two weeks and they still go home saying we didn't see everything. Again, the mm-hmm. Holy Land is filled with places. If you want to really see everything, you have to plan to come twice or three times, you know. Mm-hmm. But a simple itinerary for a first visitor, anytime people will come, they also go back home and they're like, this this wasn't a vacation. And it's not a vacation. You know, you come to the Holy Land, you're, you're running the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay? You want to see everything, you want to see as much as you want. And there is tourists that uh, like race you to the, to the places you know you want to be in the front you don't want to wait in lines you know so you, you need to you know act fast but at the same time don't expect to see everything right and uh, so many people would spend uh, let's say if they spend the the eight days or nine days we're talking about or seven days it'll be it'll be most of it in israel and uh, if they come to the west bank unfortunate most americans they would do just uh, two hours or three hours uh, nativity church and uh, and and goodbye maybe have lunch and just leave yeah, yeah which is really sad because really we have a lot of nice nice places and um, i i have to say i i have to thank you for your dad i always uh, thank the people who come and i tell them i i need to, to thank uh Rick steves because some tourists did come through the show that we made and uh, you know people are uh, wanting to to know more there is interest but 
still people have to feel, you know, safe about uh, coming here. And it's happening slowly, but, you know. Yeah, here and there. And you're doing a great job in kind of making all this history and all this work really approachable. I really liked how you explained the um, even the Nativity Church to me and my friend when we were visiting. A lot of Americans visualize the manger as a standalone shack out in the back. Um, mm. But but in Bethlehem, it's really something different. Can you uh, describe that for our listeners? I mean, this is an amazing opportunity, you know, because I always feel it's it's not just uh, my interest to experience, it's my obligation as a Bethlehemite, because I, I always feel the people got the Christmas story a little bit uh, different, you know, because of the story we know, with, uh, and, and we have a bad reputation from that, you know, as, a, as Bethlehemites, because the story goes in the minds of uh, Europeans, Americans, that, oh, there was no place for them in the end, you know, like these Bethlehemites, they didn't let Joseph and Mary go in, there was no place in the end. Frankly, you know, the way we see it as Bethlehemites, this couldn't be because the culture is, is different than this. And most probably what happened that when they came to the end, there was no place, but the Bible is clearer and saying only when the time came for her to have a child, there was no place for her in the end. So, Technically, what the Bible is trying to say, there was no place for a pregnant woman to have a child in the end. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and this is this is totally different story. I mean, this is understandable. This is the culture. You need to understand that uh, not only not not even one woman needs want to bring her child in front of the others. It's Judaism, and Bethlehem was a Jewish city at that time, mm-hmm. and everybody knows Jesus Christ was a Jew. But somehow, many people have forgotten that Mother Mary was a Jew too. And for for a Jewish culture, woman pregnant, having a child, blood coming out, this is unclean. This is this is nobody should be beside that. And she couldn't even, you know, when she's unclean, she's not allowed to tidy up her home, make food in the house, and uh, or anybody would touch her. It's not allowed. Uh, if she wants to eat from a plate of food, you know, so you have to put it on the floor, and then she could grab it, eat from it. This is. All biblical laws, and she she was a Jewish lady, so this unclean story applied to her. So she had to go to the last cave of the inn, and the inn. Once you guys, everybody who's listening, once you guys come to Bethlehem, you're gonna learn that the stable is the last cave of the inn. It wasn't like a place outside. It was like, oh, pregnant woman, no place for you here. You're unclean, but you could go all the way inside to the last cave of the inn where the animals were. Where, where it's warm, where it's comfortable, where you by yourself, where it's the best place for you to have a child in the end. Mm-hmm. And this is how it makes really sense here because, you know, the way people have learned the Christmas or the Christmas scene that you guys know, it's all from uh, St. Francis of Azizi from the 13th century yeah. in, in Europe. <laughs> he put he put the Magi's, he put everybody in the, in the scene, which looks really beautiful. You know, the Christmas scene is an amazing scene. But he didn't really have to think about Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he didn't need to think about Jewish tradition, let's say. And that's why he just wanted people to be happy. And everybody was happy of the scene. But just in Bethlehem, to, it's a little bit different. Yeah, and just to be clear, you were saying the last cave in the inn with all the animals. So what I want to do is try to describe that a little bit. Again, we're talking about a subterranean cave that's kind of going horizontal, deeper and deeper and, and skinnier and skinnier. Um, but there's like little areas or, or caverns 
caverns inside of this cave that you can duck off into. That's where they would keep the animals. It would also be warm because of that body heat. Is that right? Uh, and so it's yes. just a completely different scene. And that's what I found so striking about my visit to Israel and uh, yes. the West Bank was that you're walking yes. among this history. So, you know, yes. I grew up. And it's not just yeah. it's not just Bethlehem. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. most tourists have been hearing about these biblical stories all their lives, you know, and they have the images from from whatever they learned when they were young or the way they put it in their mind. So a trip to the Holy Land fixes every single scene you have in your mind. Yeah. You know, <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say, because I grew up going to Sunday school um, north of Seattle and yeah. Washington State, like literally opposite side of the world. Um, and so, it's mm-hmm. so it was so enlightening to go and actually see that. So I'd highly recommend it. Sure. The next, sure. of course, question that always comes up, I'm sure, is uh, travel and travel safety. Um I flew into Tel Aviv. I took a collective bus. There's a sp- certain name for it, but I took a collective bus over to Jerusalem uh, to move in. Yes. And then my friend and I, we just took the day trip into Bethlehem. I would recommend spending more time with Kamal if possible. He can he does uh, day tours around Bethlehem. And uh, do you also do the rest of uh, the West Bank as well? Yes, yes, yes. I so, do the, the whole West Bank. So all over. So um, I would say it's worthwhile. And Kamal is a great friend to have. And um, like I said, earlier a fixer anything that you need or any bump on the road that you that you find he can help with language barriers and and reaching out to friends along the way so he's a great resource to to work with yes there is at least like four to five days that the west bank could offer for tourists you know Mm -hmm. there is beautiful four to five days to go to Nablus to see Jacob's well and the Samaritans I was just by the Samaritans uh, last week and they had their uh, sacrifice feast, the Passover feast. And it was an amazing experience for me and the tourists who were with me. You go to Sebastia, it's a, it's a great day in the north. You go to the south, to Hebron, see the Machpelah, the, the place where Abraham's tomb is there, and all the oldest, one of the oldest cities also in the world, uh, Hebron, with, with its beautiful market, you know. And then you go to Jericho. There's, it's a full day there with seeing the desert and the, the monasteries there. So uh-huh. So at least uh, and Ramallah and then some other cities. So there is four to five days. And I did have tourists coming uh, that uh, even people could stay in my house. I have like one extra floor that I rent out for, for my own uh, private tourist. So I, I show them the West Bank. They could sleep here. So we don't lose really time in transaction, you know, coming mm-hmm. from a hotel and, and leaving and so yeah. on. And it's a nice place. You had us over for lunch uh, when on the our first day of arrival. Now I remember it. We we arrived. We brought our bags, dropped them off in Jerusalem, and then continued on. <laughs> yes, and we had sure. our first meal with you in Bethlehem. And that was so cool yes. at your home. And, and the hospitality <laughs> that you and your family offer is really something special. Thank so I'd you. highly recommend Thank it. You. Where can we send our listeners um, to learn more information? Do you have a website? Um, should they reach out to you via email? Well, uh, email email is the best thing right now. Yes. Okay. It's uh, Kamal, K-A-M-A-L, Kamal, underscore, M-U-K-A-R-K-E-R, Mukarker, at hotmail.com. Great. And so people can reach out to you and set up an itinerary, see if you're available and learn your yes, prices. I, I help email. them. I help them from A to Z. Uh, I'll t- teach them how to come from the airport and I help them out with the, okay, also a cheap, safe way to, to travel. You know? 
Great. I'm speaking with Kamal Mukarkar, and he's my friend calling in from Bethlehem. Um, Kamal, we're going to go to break, but right after that, I want to talk about travel safety um, and then wrap up with you. This episode is brought to you by Andy Steves Custom Travel. Take a look at andysteves.com and follow the link to travel. Drop on down to custom travel and drop us a note. We'd love to help you design your dream vacation across Europe and maybe a couple other places. So drop us a note and we'd love to share what we can do. Happy travels. I'm speaking with Kamal. Kamal is calling in from Bethlehem and... Kamal, I want to ask you, you know, a lot of Americans hear about the tension and conflicts all across the Middle East. Feels like it's it's picking up in Gaza these days even more. Um, of course, there's some concern about travel safety. Can you explain to us a little bit about what people should expect, reassure them that people live there, that it is safe? Can you speak to what it's like to, to visit? I mean, uh, speaking about the the last two years, for instance, 2017, we had a record in how many people came and visited the Holy Land. Uh, Three million that visited Israel, two million that visited uh, Palestine. And it's it's like the first time that we had so many tourists and it was safe for everybody. There is, in history, I've never heard that a tourist was harmed from any party, not an Israeli nor a Palestinian. Both nations, they respect the tourists and they know they're, they're one of the best sources of income for, for both of them. So so a tourist is, is really the king here in the Holy Land because he's technically allowed to go wherever he wants. Uh, on the opposite, some places Israelis are not allowed to go and some places Palestinians are not allowed to go. But a tourist, he's safe and free to go wherever he wants. I find that so true because uh, tourism is such an important part of the economy of many countries around the world. And if the tourists get scared, they lose a big part of their GDP. And so they make sure that tourist um, kind of thoroughfares and zones and popular tourist spots are safe. And the people that live and work there also don't want to bother for fear of losing that part of their economy. Yes, true. And, and, true. So, and, and yeah. the people are very hospitable here. You know, people are laughing in, in your face and, and they, 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 they love everybody. And then the Americans are also seen as the number one tourist uh, here in, in the Holy Land. Because Americans, they like to see, and they're 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 always laughing. They're and and they buy also a lot of things, you know. So they're ready to spend some money here and there. And it's uh, this is why why people love the American tourist, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when I was on the streets of uh, of both Jerusalem and Bethlehem, I was walking around, and what really struck me is how visually diverse the people are and by by what they wear and their dress you can see their faith as well what really struck me is how these these uh, major religions are coexisting and living and working together can you um speak a little bit to to how that works in history in history and we're speaking about the last let's say 1400 years judaism christianity and islam they, they have been actually neighbors here Mm-hmm. for the last thousand some hundred years. So people know each other and then they feel safe technically beside each other. The ones who know each other. Okay, now people living in rural areas, you know, they might not know the other, but people living, let's say, in Jerusalem, whose neighbor is a Jew, it's his neighbor. If the Muslim neighbor, neighboring Jew, they know each other since, since years. And, and so technically there is some sort of, you know, uh, trust between them, you know. And, and also on, on a general level, 
Palestinians and Israelis are collaborating to, to, together. You know, Palestinians working in Israel in, in, in thousands. You know, the, the latest numbers are 70,000 Palestinian workers going to Israel to work. And uh, knowing that Israel also buys so many things from Palestine, especially the stone, uh, that Jerusalem must be built with that stone, and the, the Jerusalem stone. And it's actually the product of Hebron and Bethlehem. Hmm. So, so really there is... Uh, people you know know each other and, and you, if you if you think oh there is a problem in the holy land between israelis and palestinians you're totally mistaken the way i see it from my experience here that the majority of the palestinians and the majority of the israelis they're really willing to keep a peaceful uh, time and peaceful and they're ready actually to make peace together you know but but there is some extremist here and extremist there you know that that uh, they, they want everything for themselves, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, but the majority of the land is is for for peace and for for keeping it peaceful, so that more and more tourists would come here and and have a better life here in, in the Holy Land. Yeah. And I feel if if our listeners would like to find out more about that, definitely look up Rick Steves, um, the Holy Land special, and you can hear Kamal's perspective along with other Jewish and Muslim contributors as well. So I, I again, I feel they did with your help uh, a great job of touching on what a complex region this is. But the message is that it's safe to visit. To experience this diversity is incredible. It's incredible to walk among this history and among these major religions and i i just uh i can't wait to get back exactly it's 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 safe and it's easy mm-hmm. you know by being in israel you're technically you don't need a visa for the west bank it's it's all still seen as one big country so you just cross the border you're in the west bank but you don't need a visa for palestine or anything so it's just like crossing a street you know, it's not don't think of it of crossing like a border between two uh, it's it's not North Korea and, and South Korea or something like that. You just cross the street technically, and you're in you're in Bethlehem. I gotta I gotta admit I did appreciate seeing your friendly face when I did go through the the fence and security yeah. zone. So, <laughs> but um. I want to follow up on on what you were saying earlier. There's a few, you know, extremists and that that cause some problems between the different demographics. Because here in the states, we're going to see a very quick change when our young people start voting, and we see that they're paying attention finally, and that they're hopefully they'll start voting more. Do you find that the younger generations have a different outlook? Um, are people optimistic for for how the future looks between the two communities? I look at the Palestinian youth and I see they're the, not really religious, I have to say. Okay, so they're, By the way, they're can, more. Yeah, is that the call to prayer? Can, yes, can you, I just um, actually can you open I closed the window? door. Because <laughs> it'd be cool. Let's listen to the, the call right. to prayer in Bethlehem. Yes, sure. If you don't Why not. At the beginning, we heard the, the, the churches are, the bells were ringing, and now the call to prayer. As I was saying, I'm in a city that 80% Christians, but we still have 20% Muslims. So uh-huh. I'm standing at the balcony now, looking at three churches just in front of me, and uh, one mosque behind me. And now it's the call to prayer. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool, Kamal. Thank you for sharing with us. Sure. Oh, that's great. So my question is about the next generation. Do do we feel like moving forward, the young people have a different view? Um, or... see, see, I have. This is this is a tricky question. I have to say, when you speak about Palestinians, Palestinians is is simply a young generation. You know, like we have 
the numbers go that 60% are under the age of 18. Mm -hmm. So almost 50% under 15. Imagine half of the Palestinians are under 15 years old. Wow. So it could be seen as a good thing if you're looking for a brighter future filled with the economy and you need people to work and so on. But if you don't offer these children anything, and if, if these children think that, oh, their, their life had been stolen from them anyways from the start, because still, you know, peace is still not achieved. I mean, mm -hmm. the situation is peaceful. Tourists are coming here and feeling everything is safe, but still like a peaceful situation without achieving peace for the, for the people of the land themselves. Uh -huh. Right. I hope, I hope this makes sense. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, so, uh, so without having this final peace for every single person here, this young generation. So, uh, hopefully they, they will find a way, you know, to, to see a good future here in the Holy land. And if this happens, then everything will be fine. You know? But the future, it, it depends on the current future. All right? So the future of these children depends on the decisions that, uh, that the Israelis and Palestinians, and with the help of the Americans, for sure, because America is leading the peace negotiations. Uh, and, and, you know, the, this ultimate deal of the century, which uh, really nobody really knows anything about how's, it. How's, uh, how's Jared Kushner doing over there? Is, have you seen him visit? <laughs> no, not, not, not Bethlehem. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so what I'm trying to say, if, if, if something good comes out, you know, this will make actually the country even safer and safer. You know? mm -hmm. So for, we're optimistic, you know, we have to be always hopeful, you know, and uh, we wait and see. Now, I don't know how much you know, but, you know, maybe Mr. Uh, President of the States is, is, might come on the 15th of uh, May here to the Holy Land to, mm -hmm. to open the consulate in, in Jerusalem. And this is a controversial story, you know, so, mm -hmm. so we're really hoping nothing will happen. But even you might hear that uh, there is escalations in the Holy Land and, it, and you might think, wow, it's, it's unsafe. But it is might it, 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 there might be corners of of the land where it's not safe for a day or two, but then everything goes back to normal and and then people start coming. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's not like a war zone that lasts for years. It might be unsafe for these couple of days, mm -hmm. or in these two days maybe I shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. I stay in the north or something, and then and then that's it. You know, then everything is safe again. Because what, what, one thing that people need to remember is people like yourselves live there day in and day out. They have families. You go about your work and about your business and to the market just the same. Um, and so it's so important to just remember that and pay attention to the news that's going on. Um, briefly, would you explain why the embassy is a controversial move like to a lot of americans that just sounds like the logical thing to do but remember that's a big bargaining chip right in the in the peace discussion in the peace process sure. that feels like sure. we're we're skipping ahead um is can you speak to that just a little bit first of all the you know the, the whole world sees uh, jerusalem as as a big city that ha that two nations are are i don't want to say fighting for but living in it you know you need to know that in east jerusalem there is at least uh, 325,000 palestinians that live in east jerusalem we we own it i mean it's it's our houses we we are there mm -hmm. you know so for for uh, for for the president of the states to say the whole city is is the capital of israel this is like a big gift you know it's it's like christmas you know yeah. and uh, okay you want to give gifts 
you give gifts to both parties, right? Or as as you just said, you use it as a bargaining power. You, you go, oh, you are really dying for Jerusalem? Okay, take Jerusalem, but why don't you give this instead for, for the Palestinians? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you don't give anything, something like that, without taking something else, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, and it's sad because it's... Uh, it, it's, it was like a gift, unnecessary gift for, for the time being, actually. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's it's a short-term political gain uh, or soundbite that that uh, this administration wants to pull out without really considering the, the deeper meaning and the, and the long-term effects. I, I really think that, that the only benefit that, uh, that uh, Mr. Trump got is just to 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 say oh that he kept his word that oh he's he did what he what he said he's gonna do right you know not not really thinking about the people of the land or mm-hmm. of Jerusalem the, itself you know mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. people of the city itself. and it doesn't necessarily it doesn't reflect a great understanding of all the complex issues either so exactly, well yeah. come on I want to thank you so much for your time thanks so much for your patience earlier with our uh, uh, technical issues um, but man I think <laughs> so we got a great episode with some great sound bites um, and that. Uh, uh, the call to prayer is really something special. Yeah. If if our <laughs> listeners want to come and visit and get goosebumps on a moment by moment basis by walking through Bethlehem and and just literal centuries of history uh, with Kamal, I would highly recommend it. It's safe. It's it's a lot of fun. And like Kamal said, it's also a lot of work. You're going not really on vacation. You're going on a heavy yes. hitting uh, yes. course of history. But man, you'll you'll come home it's, a different person with a much better understanding of it's, of it's my your pleasure. Faith. Yes, it's my pleasure. We have uh, we have tons of places here in the West Bank that uh, the, the history of the Bible of of our Christian Bible where where it happened, and I'll be happy to take you to all of these places. There is, it's filled with other kind of history of of uh, early humans and and also later uh, dynasties of of this country. It's filled with culture and people and food and uh, there's people are making now <laughs> trips just to taste the Palestinian food. So we have great food, great, uh, great people, great culture, and and beside that the history and the biblical places. So so when you come come for for a mix of that, you know, don't don't come just to for for religious purposes. Come come and, and enjoy and and broaden your your uh, your mind, you know, with. Uh, with all these aspects that I just uh, mentioned, you know. Absolutely. Do you have a uh, Instagram by chance, come on? Not really. No. <laughs> so, okay. So, I'm, I'm, so the best way I'm, to I'm reach busy, out. I'm busy working with. Uh, busy guy. With, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to thank your dad. You know, I I don't need to market myself. The people just just contact me and they're like, "Oh, we showed we saw you on Rick Steve show and we would like to have you." Oh, that's and great. And so on. So. So he made me a little bit lousy in terms of uh, marketing, you know. <laughs> well, that's that's the best way to be. If it's all coming to you, I mean, that's great. More yeah. time with the family, right? Kamal, thank sure. you, thank you so much for joining me. Um, again, if our listeners want to reach out, it's Kamal K A M A L underscore Mukarker M U K A R K E R at hotmail dot com. I'd highly recommend it. Kamal, we can't touch on everything, but uh, I, I loved our conversation today. Thanks so much for joining. Sure, thank you, thank you for doing this. Thank all all the best to you and your family. Thank you. One thing that I'm taking from this conversation is that it's so important to get out and go to these amazing destinations around the world and experience them for yourself. These days, we can't be a passive consumer of news and information. We have to go out and seek it for ourselves. The more we have a chance to interact with and connect with foreign cultures, we realize that these people aren't so different from ourselves. 
They take care for their families, they want to work and improve their lot in life, and more likely than not, you share something in common with them. Go out and find your experiences first, then develop your world outlook, rather than the other way around. Don't alter the facts to support your worldview, rather develop your view from the facts, and travel, as far as I know, is just about the best way to do that. That's it for this week's episode of Andy Steve's Travel Podcast. Join us next week when I have Carmina of La Carmina on the show to share about her take on alternative and gothic tourism in Japan. I think a lot of people are very much into technology. I think biohacking is a huge one. I know people who implant LEDs and all these uh, all these machinery under their skin. Oh my and gosh. they can use it, yeah, to almost as a computer or to read the weather, tell the time, something implanted right in your skin. They can give you feedback on your um, heartbeat, pulse. What? Yeah. By the way, on this season of Andy Steve's Travel Podcast, I'm working with the team at Podcast and Radio Networks. If you're thinking about starting your own show, they've got just the right people in place to turn your podcasting dreams into broadcasting reality. For more information, check them out at podcastandradio.com. You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks again for listening. To find all show details and links to connect with our guest, find it online at andysteves.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.